Well, sunny beaches of South Florida, is that you? Hello! Oh my gosh, how in the heck are you? You look amazing today. It is so good to see you again. Come on in, have a seat. Follow us or subscribe or whatever it is your medium requires and stay a while. We'd love to have you as part of our family. Say, while you're here, can I get you something to think today? I realize that I'm going to be making some erratic lane changing with this episode. At least that's what the police officers in Mesa, Arizona would call it. I have so many things I want to share and express, and some are humorous, some are life lessons, some are stories, some are a little preachy, but all of them are important to me in some way. I hope you enjoy the content and the potential erratic shifts it takes from one episode to the other. There's always a time for giggles and sarcasm. I got plenty of that, as well as the serious and heavy discussions, which I don't normally lean toward, but both are needed. Too much of one or the other isn't really a balanced meal of discussion, but today is a little more meat than normal. But I hope that you enjoy it. Relationships are a hard thing for a lot of people, yet it's a hardwired desire that is impossible to deny. And and why? Well, because life is sexually transmitted. That's why. Relationships have always been difficult for me. I've been married twice and divorced twice. High school relationships were difficult for me. My expectations were all over the place, and so were my heartaches. Those dang hairband 80s songs weren't helpful at all. I feel like an expert in relationships for all the wrong reasons. I literally have a bachelor's degree in the relationship school of hard knocks, but I'm not here to complain. I know a few things that I couldn't have learned otherwise. It's definitely not the years for me, but absolutely the miles. I remember one night after a dance, I was feeling like I needed to be going out with someone, which was the thing to do in that decade. So as I drove a girl home that I had a crush on and walked her to the door, I frankly said, hey, you want to go out with me? She knew what I meant, but she seized on the double meaning in an effort to escape my awkwardness. No, it's too late tonight. And she quickly closed the door. Yeah, that was my adolescent experience. One after the other. You know, I'm the guy who can't remember while standing in line at an In-N-Out burger whether the grilled onions and special sauce is called monster style or animal style or something else. So in desperation to look like I know something, I just blurt out whatever comes to mind. Uh, yeah, can you give me the double cheeseburger, doggy style? Yeah, that went over good. I was lucky she didn't throw my burger on the ground and say, Here, this is how you wanted it, right? It took me a few weeks before I could laugh at myself on that one. One of my acquaintances recently asked her daughter if she wanted a grilled cheese sandwich. And then 10 minutes later, the daughter complained, I can't eat this. The cheese is melted. Yeah, none of us is or had perfect parents. Some, as I, were raised by a generation who just didn't talk openly, intentionally, or clearly about relationships, or anything related to fowls and buzzing honey-making insects. Yet, as I have determinedly realized as a dad, if you didn't come from a healthy family, make sure a healthy family comes from you. So we talk about things. Everything. The conversation is wide open. I initiate a lot of them, and I certainly don't leave any of the conversations hanging when started by my kids. They need age-appropriate, solid answers. Because... 
They can either hear them from Dad or Google. What's that? Do I trust Google's morals and standards for my kids? Oh, yeah, sure. And Millie Vanilli sang their own songs. Jordan Peterson calls it trustful conflict. And this trustful conflict is important and vital in a relationship or a marriage or a connection or even the best of friendships. My motto is that I will only get angry at you if there is something that risks your life or something I feel is at risk for your soul. Otherwise, it needs to be talked out, discussed, or it's something to be patient about. Like the time my best friend showed up for lunch and I could smell what I thought was alcohol on her breath. I didn't say anything initially, which I should have because she had to drive home after we had dinner together. Well, I messaged her after I got home and asked her if she'd been drinking. I told her if she had, I would kick her butt because I cared about her. I didn't want her to make reckless decisions. She was a little confused, and then she remembered that she had consumed a kombucha drink that morning, which absolutely made her breath smell like alcohol. Well, it turned out to be a harmless situation, but a lesson was learned about each other. She realized that I was serious about jealously protecting her, even if it meant that I'd be protecting her from herself. And she does the same thing to me. Those are the friends you never want to lose. Those are the friends you want to fight for. Those are the friends you want to wait for. Those are the friends who will lift and move the boulders of life with you. I heard a telling phrase recently from the conversation of two people who are seriously in like with each other. She said to him, when I think about what I like about you and liking you, I feel my heart landsliding into falling in love. I will absolutely be talking about this like and enjoy concept around love much more in an upcoming episode, but just a teaser, like and enjoy are inseparable from a healthy and lasting relationship. And love cannot survive without them. Well, Bob Proctor has expressed attraction slash love is almost synonymous with ignorance. Attraction is a secondary law. The primary law is the law of vibration. The only thing we can attract to us is that which is in resonance with us. In life, as well as relationships, we diagnose what vibrational frequency we are on by the results that we're getting. And if we don't do our homework in a relationship, then the results will produce that same level of carelessness. I know, because trial and error has proven this for me again and again. Now, healthy and sustainable love can only sprout from the foundational soils of liking and enjoying each other. Remembering that truth makes Bob Proctor's comments much more sensible when he said that, I think that love is resonance. When two people are quote-unquote in love, they're on the same frequency intellectually, emotionally, and physically. Most people that get married are not in love. They're in habit. When two people are in love, they enjoy thinking about the same ideas. The conscious mind deals with ideas. They get emotionally involved with the same ideas, so they're setting up the same vibrations. Their heart is on the same frequency, and physically, they enjoy doing the same things. They have a great physical connection. That's when two people are in love. They're in harmony intellectually, emotionally, and physically. There's an equation that was shared with me years ago by my Uncle Glenn Grigla, who spent his career counseling married couples. 
It's impossible for me to forget the equation or the importance of its parts, and that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, not to mention the obvious that the individual parts cannot be replaced without losing the entirety of the sum. Time plus experience equals relationship. In thinking about this equation, I'm reminded of a fable told by Claire Murphy called The Marriage Boulder that epitomizes what we all seek in the togethers, we's, ours, and us's in a relationship. A young lad was at a community dance with his friends when this dashing woman walked in. You know, the kind of attraction that weakens the knees and regrettably pretty much ignores all logic? Well, with that attraction, he floated over the dance floor to say, Hi, and ask her for a dance. She replied, I guess so. Well, they danced. Sparks flew, numbers exchanged, and a courtship began. After a bit of time, the boy wanted her to meet his father. As they were visiting at the father's house, the father invited them both out into his backyard with the beautiful landscaping of shrubs, planters, hedges, and a boulder. The father looked at the son and said, You really like this girl, don't you? He replied, Oh, yes, Dad. She's the one. Oh, okay, the dad said. Can you do me a favor? Go and get me that boulder. Uh, you want me to pick up that boulder and bring it to you? The boy questioned. Yes, please, the dad replied. Well, not wanting to disappoint his father or to show physical weakness in the company of this love of his life, the young man went over and haphazardly hefted at the boulder, but couldn't budge it. The dad turned to the girl and said, Do you really want to marry a guy like this? She put her head down and softly said, No, and walked away. Well, you can imagine that this young man was dejected, upset with his dad, and embarrassed that he couldn't muster the test his father had subjected him to. So, after leaning into his frustrations, the boy started working out, lifting rocks and exercising his back and legs so as to be ready for another potential suitor encounter with his father. Eventually, at another dance, another young woman was met who was kind. She had long hair, soft-spoken, and she was really sweet to him. As their courtship progressed, he took her again to meet his father, and again the test was required of the boy. Well, this time, he mustered more strength than ever before. But he was only able to hoist the rock slightly out of the ground before it fell back to the earth. His father then asked the girl, Is this really a guy you can trust to provide for you? and protect you? She also quietly responded, no, and walked away. Well, the boy was now more than ever feeling inadequate and dejected. It took his friends a lot of encouragement for him to finally attend another dance, and he had no interest in looking anymore because it was just too painful to find someone and then have his father's initiation crush all of his dreams. As he stood there with his lost interest, he heard some laughter, the laughter of a girl. And as he looked next to him, their eyes met, and she said, Hi. And he said, Hi. As they spoke, he made funny remarks, and she laughed. Oh, he liked that. He asked her to dance, and she said, Yes, please. They talked as they danced. They enjoyed each other's company. They liked each other. 
When he said silly things, she laughed more, and her laughter was so beautiful to his heart. He asked if he could call on her the next day, and maybe they could go for a walk. Oh, yes, I would really like that, she said. So they began spending time together, and and he began looking for ways to make her laugh. Eventually, the time came when he knew that she would need to meet his father. So, with legitimate trepidation, he asked her, I'd like you to meet my father. Would that be okay? She responded, yeah, I'd like that. Okay, I guess I'll pick you up tomorrow then. So, the next day, they were in his dad's backyard with the same grass, hedges, flowers, and that dang boulder. After the formalities ended, and on cue, the father asked the boy for the favor of bringing the boulder to him. Well, by this time, the boy knew what was coming. He was already halfway across the yard to the boulder. Well, he positioned himself properly, looked into the eyes of this young girl, lowered his stance, locked his thighs, and straightened his back. Then he took his best grip on that boulder and lifted with all his might. He was more determined than ever as he grunted and strained, and just as he was losing his strength, he saw a shadow pass near him, and two hands grabbed the other side of the boulder. He looked up, and it was the girl who had come to help him. Together, they hoisted that boulder and carried it to where the father was sitting. And the father replied, now that's a girl you want to marry. What boulders are there in relationships? There's patience. There's time and healing. Understanding, learning, and growing. Jillian Tarecki once said, Some of us never learned that someone could be angry with us and still love us. That someone could want space and also be totally committed. Some of us learned that anger and space meant love was going to be taken away. And that's a difficult boulder to learn to maneuver. Jillian also stated that a conscious relationship is not made up of two people free of their past. A conscious relationship is created by two people who have studied their past and understand what patterns contributed to the dysfunction of their former relationships. When we pick a partner, we pick their story. So, as a conscious person in a relationship, we are not only responsible for our chaotic inner child, but we are responsible for helping our partner get a little lighter and heal from their story. This is not codependency. This is compassion. And I would add to Jillian's comments, these are the boulders of a healthy and loving relationship. We have to determine if we are willing, capable, and available to move boulders with someone. Are we emotionally available? Are we mentally present and spiritually ready to heft the boulders required in relationships? If not, wait. Prepare yourself. And please come back when you're ready. How do you help to lift boulders in your friendships, relationships, or marriage? And why are boulders... So important for sifting out those who are not willing to lift and move with us. 
What are you willing to do? What are you willing to change and what are you willing to become? Healthy relationships need boulders. They need arguments. They need trustful conflict. Healthy relationships need we, us, our, and together moments. You know, preserving your identity in a relationship and marriage is important because if you change who you are, you have changed who they initially fell in love with, and then what? Yet, along with preserving the you in a we scenario, I've never heard it said that a relationship or marriage didn't work out because there was too much we, us, our, and togetherness. If those aspects cause a dissipation of the relationship, it's the love that is crumbling and fracturing under the unproven foundation of how vital it is that we like and enjoy each other before we choose to fall in love. Remember, time plus experience equals relationship. Trust the process. Use the process. Engage the process. Well, dad blasted, I sure enjoyed the visit today. If you gained something from it, be kind enough to follow us and leave a review. And do it right now. If you would, it'd sure be appreciated. Your comments have been so considerate and honestly left me blushing. And good night, those reviews make a big difference in the program's visibility. On the Apple platforms, you select the Go to Show option. And then click the circle plus sign at the top right to follow. Then scroll down below the episodes to leave some stars and a review. Them algorithms need all the help they can get so as I can disrupt more good folks like you. So I tell you what, if you got a friend or three that you just don't like very much, well, share this podcast with them and let us bug them for a while. And if you have comments or suggestions for future discussions, well, don't just keep them to yourself. We, we'd love to hear from you. You can DM us on our Instagrams at fyo.podcast. And thank you. Are you still there? Remember to download the Family Tree app and see how you are related to the people from today's episode. All those links will be included in the show notes. Sometimes it's important to look a gift horse in the mouth. Your gift is your ancestry. Your superpower is their family history stories that make you. Not a one of us crawled out from under a rock, regardless of what you've been told. You have 4,094 grandparents, over 12 generations, with thousands of love stories, battles, difficulties, sadness, happiness, and expressions of hope for the future that allows you to be here today. We are the culmination of so many things we did not choose. It was designed that way. So be gentle with yourself and others. Take the time to learn yourself through your family history stories. There are innumerable tributaries flowing into the life experience that deceptively seems to be your own, but it's not. So think about that as you row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Russell M. Nelson stated, When our hearts turn to our ancestors, something changes inside us. We feel part of something greater than ourselves. 
I concur. Thank you for joining me on another unbelievably true adventure. Find your family history superpower and activate it. Until the next time, bye. <laughs>